Hey guys, welcome back to another interview for my podcast, Icebreaker. Um, I know it's been a while, long time, no see or no hear, I guess. But today we're featuring Taylor Reddy, the founder of Zero Waste Urban, a nonprofit that works to raise awareness about climate change and the plastic crisis. This episode was recorded back in um, late August. And today we'll be discussing discussing greenwashing, corporate accountability, and false climate solutions. Be sure to check out Taylan at Zero Waste Durban and at Break Free From Plastic, where he works as a youth ambassador. Also, feel free to check out his personal account at ReadyGram. Uh, this was a really fun and insightful conversation to take a look into, especially as I am interested in greenwashing in the future. And I hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. Hi guys, today we have a guest interview with Taylor Reddy, the founder of Zero Waste Durban, a nonprofit that works to raise awareness on climate change and the plastic crisis within Durban through awareness campaigns on social media. And he is also a 2022 youth investor for Break Free from Plastic. Today we're going to be discussing greenwashing, corporate accountability, and false climate solutions. So before we get started with the interview, I wanted for my audience to get to know you better. So this is a spontaneous icebreaker. Um, I have lined up. So uh, this is a hypothetical situation completely unrelated to climate change or the climate crisis, but suppose you are the best criminal mastermind in the world. Uh, what crime would you commit if you knew you could get away with it? Hmm. I would steal a chandelier, a million dollar chandelier, and if you're a fan of The Office, I'm sure you'd get the reference. Okay, thank you for that response. Yeah. Um. So, uh, just to just to get let the audience get to know you better, um, can you tell us more about your environmental work before we dive into today's topic? Yeah, sure. So I founded Zero Waste Durban in May 2020 uh, because of the, the plastic crisis that was present in my home city of Durban, South Africa. And I felt that there wasn't really much action being taken place and there wasn't much awareness on the issue at hand. But obviously that was during the pandemic, so uh, really not much practical work could be done. So most of the work was done through uh, awareness campaigns on social media. But since uh, restrictions have been eased up, I have been doing a lot more practical work, uh, especially through Break From Plastic. And this was done through brand audits and cleanup campaigns. So if you don't know what a brand audit is, it's um, an activity that's usually done at the end of a cleanup where you take note of the corporations that are most their brands are most prevalent in the area where the cleanup is being held so you take note of all of that and send in your data to break from plastic and they publish the global brand audit at the end of the year which takes note of all organizations that have been doing this so that's really interesting and uh, as someone who's been working through social media, a lot of brands often utilize um, modern technology and communication to promote how green their products are, no matter, even if they're unsustainably made. Um, can you tell us more about what greenwashing is, its effects, and what this means for consumers? 
So greenwashing is when companies convey a false impression of their products or practices being sustainable by providing misleading information. And I mean, this is so dangerous because we as consumers take the information that is provided to us at face value, but often that's not accurate. And these corporations are basically lying to us and telling us that they're uh, creating their products in a sustainable manner when they actually aren't. So what do you have any examples of greenwashing um, with corporations that we know of? Yeah, there's so many examples. Currently, one that I, I really love to go to is uh, the Unilever brand Sunlight. Uh, it's quite big here in South Africa. It's a dishwashing liquid. And uh, almost every household that I know uses Sunlight dishwashing liquid. And their packaging is designed in such a way to um, kind of promote that it's a green product. It's green packaging, green branding. Um, it says on the packaging that it's 100% recyclable, it's reusable, but the refill sachets that are sold to refill uh, those bottles are made of single-use plastics. So in order for it to be refillable and reusable, you still have to buy the single-use sachets, which are not recyclable, in order to keep using it as the refill system. Yeah, and then I think also a lot of fashion brands will also do the same thing. Like, uh, have you, like H and M? Yeah, I w- I'm actually going to touch on H and M a little bit later. I have a cool story about me going to H and M. Oh, interesting. Okay, I look forward to hearing that. So, anyways, moving forward to, we talked a little bit about how consumers um, they take these advertising levels at these advertising tactics at face level. And at least in America, where I'm based, we have a very large and heavy consumer culture. So how do you believe that this consumer culture plays into greenwashing and corporate greed? Especially with... Sorry, no, continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you continue. Okay, so it's uh, it's huge. I mean, it's so much easier for greenwashing to be carried out with the massive culture of social media. These brands have sort of become a part of popular culture so coca-cola and pepsico are the ones that come to mind instantly they're the top producers every year so the global since the global brand audit started in 2018 coca-cola has been number one every single year and pepsico shortly after so uh the story about me going to h&m actually is here so i was a couple of weeks back actually i walked into an h&m store and I saw t-shirts and hoodies with Coca-Cola branding and PepsiCo branding. I just, it's, it just felt like a capitalist dream. Like it's, it's scary that it's, it's become so much of, it's become so normalized of these brands that are polluting our environments to be um, almost like represented within this. And H&M have been found guilty of greenwashing in the past with their fast fashion like they've uh committed taking certain steps to stop stopping the the culture of fast fashion but they haven't really been keeping up to those promises yeah i definitely 
that's interesting, especially because H&M, they were known for what, making their clothing out of recycled cotton or something. But it was found that all of their clothing materials were either made in Bangladesh or China, both of which house large fast fashion industries. Yeah. So that's that's interesting. But so so with H&M, um, especially with social media, how, so do you think the this growth of consumer culture has resulted in a lot of unsustainable waste and how so? Um, I feel, yeah, it has. So I believe that greenwashing promotes consumer culture because as a consumer, I'm, I'm buying the product and not the packaging that the product comes in. And I should be able to access this product without access, accessing the, the plastic packaging that the product is in. So in South Africa, we have something called, well, in other countries as well, the extended producer responsibility, the EPR, which states that the entire life cycle of the packaging produced by a corporation is the responsibility of that corporation, right from production up until disposal. So it's kind of a misconception where uh, we as individuals are seen as responsible for this waste that's being produced, where it's actually the, uh, the corporation that is producing it. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting that if you look at social media, um, you also have the, like, I think a lot of fast fashion companies have realized the power of marketing on social media. So they'll, they'll go to like Instagram and TikTok influencers, and these people are doing huge $100, $1,000 clothing hauls from them. And th- I think this also promotes a, a, a consumer culture. So you're kind of tying in both social media uh, consumer culture and then greenwashing as some companies do but uh, moving on from this some brands like reformation you know youth to the people or other sustainable companies they're known for their corporate green policies and commitment to sustainability um and other people buy from sheen because of their affordability rather than commitment to sustainability both types of brands are corporate accounts looking to make money, right? Profiting off of their the environment in their own separate ways. So in your eyes, do you believe greenwashing is the real issue or consumer culture? I think it is greenwashing. Like, um, tying into my, my last response, like, it's, as a consumer, we're, we're not responsible for what happens after the, the product is bought and after it's it's being disposed of course as an individual we have to manage this responsibly but it really is the producer's responsibility to handle what happens to the product after it's disposed of yeah i think that's interesting yeah and i think as consumers we have to be mindful that not everything we buy is sustainable and that it's better to just reduce what like the amount of stuff we do buy so how do you think greenwashing has prevented true change within corporations and accountability i mean with the greenwashing that's going on it creates the illusion that these corporations are already making an intentional change towards being more sustainable but it really isn't the case they're 
they just want it to appear that way it allows them to dodge accountability because as the general public we're seeing that a corporation is uh, is making steps towards being sustainable without knowing the actual steps we we're, we're going to take it as okay they're doing something good they're doing this we can still support them because they're acknowledging their actions but if it's they're not revealing the actual actions that are being taken and if they aren't committing to it then you know it's how, how do we hold them accountable they need to reveal all of their plans and we need to hold them to that so uh how do you think greenwashing has diminished the importance of corporate accountability like why is corporate accountability so much more necessary now i mean right now we're seeing what's happening in the world with climate change like the situation in pakistan right now we're seeing the the flooding and millions of people are losing their their homes they're losing their livelihoods they're losing their lives uh we're seeing wildfires throughout the world global wildfires everywhere and this is a direct effect of emissions that are produced by these corporations like it used to be uh seen like a few years ago the narrative has been that climate change is something our children or grandchildren are going to deal with dealing with but that's really not the case that we're dealing it we're dealing with it right now it's our generation that's dealing with the effects of climate change yeah i completely agree especially with uh like especially like countries in europe or america or um northern america these countries because of their development and because they are the ones doing most of the pollution in terms of the rest of the world we're, we're not going to see the effects as fast as other um other nations and like we think that climate change is a thing of the future but with pakistan we can see that it's already happened it's on the front lines people are getting displaced people are dying it uh, it's insane so what do you think corporations can do to be accountable um so then firstly they need to acknowledge the pollution that they cause at break from plastic we have a little spin on the 3 hours of recycling uh reduce reuse recycle which kind of uh creates the implication that it's the individual's responsibility for that plastic waste but the three hours that we have is reveal reduce and redesign so reveal how much plastic you produce reduce your total plastic footprint and redesign your product packaging to be reusable or refillable so i mean this highlights that we really need systemic change corporations need to cut the problem off at the source the production of plastic or uh, in the case of um carbon emissions so i mean it's easy to greenwash and create false solutions of dancing around the uh, the problem which would really just be a band-aid so dealing with the effects of the actual problem would just be a band-aid on the solution when we really need to cut it off at the source the production so do you believe that um because of the whole corporate accountability greenwashing um etc do you believe that social media perpetuates false climate solutions or even just myths about the climate crisis 
Uh, I mean, that can go two ways because, well, these corporations are profit-driven. They're always going to do what's in their best interest to make the most amount of money. Uh, social media has been so has been massive for for branding and promotion of brands uh, in recent years, especially. Like, I mean, just scrolling through Instagram, you'd see a sponsored ad, and it'll be promoting a product. But on that same note, we're seeing a lot of activists use social media to call out these corporations, and we're seeing a lot of campaigns, a lot of awareness campaigns by um, these Instagram pages to make sure it is known the exact amount of pollution that these uh, corporations are responsible for. So, so you're talking, so yeah, I completely agree. Social media, it's a tool and it depends on how the user uses it. So can we, so how do you think, so let's talk specifically uh, more about the climate deniers, people that are using social media to um, distract from the climate crisis. How have climate deniers used social media, greenwashing, false climate, like stuff like that to support their own narratives? I mean, I really don't understand uh, climate deniers, to be honest. I feel they always need a, a leg to stand on. Like, and I think this provides them with it because it's it's really easy to be influenced by social media. And as climate activists, we're usually seeing as being too radical or like our our movements are seen as like too radical as uh, too radical to be actually implemented like it's seen as um, as it could only be implemented in an ideal world when that doesn't exist it, it needs to be implemented right now if we want to have a future on this planet and uh, uh yeah yeah, I think that's interesting um, that you're talking about social media, how people use it. But moving on from that, we also wanted to discuss uh, false climate solutions. So what are what are false climate solutions? What are some examples of false climate solutions? So false climate solutions are, well, solutions that on surface level um, look to be able to remediate the problem of um, climate change, of carbon emissions, of plastic production, or anything of that sort. And one of the examples that I love to go to is with Formula One, because you see it all the time. I know it's a massive sport, like it has millions of followers worldwide. I know a lot of people in South Africa love Formula One. And if you're a fan, uh, you see it as them making steps towards being sustainable because that's what they promote on all of their social medias. They uh, they always promote their pledge towards going 100% biofuel in 2030, I think. And they um, promote their fuels being part biofuel currently when it's only like 9%, I think. And the production of these biofuels as well is made from uh, food crops such as maize and uh, sugarcane and barley which 
could be used as an actual food source you see food insecurities in so many places of the world and in order to go 100% biofuel by 2030 as they state they'd need land the size of china to grow these crops and i mean that doesn't seem that doesn't seem like it can be implemented yeah and then also when you're talking about um corporations like these how do you believe corporations organizations like formula 1 how do they use these false climate solutions to make money and influence consumer decisions i mean they probably get funding through it because uh as a funder you're looking for sustainable practices it's a good look for you it's a good look for the corporation i mean if you just take it at surface level you don't you don't know any better if you're being told that uh this company is being uh cautious or being uh using their practices safely they're trying to be sustainable you're more likely to to fund them you're more likely to follow them you're more likely to support them and i mean this like it's it's so dangerous it's misleading yeah so we're talking a lot about how um corp- corporations use marketing tactics like greenwashing to make themselves seem more sustainable um so what about how um can you talk more about corporations doing conducting performative um actions like posting infographics or um i don't know like during around pride month a lot of companies or corporations will change their logo to be rainbow colored so can we talk more about performative performative action yeah um i think that it's i think uh, i feel that that may be seen sometimes as also a form of greenwashing like you see on earth day or we've just entered spring here in in the southern hemisphere so it was spring day on the 1st of september see all these corporations you see uh, companies like bp or shell which are massive billion dollar oil and fossil fuel companies posting about earth day posting about spring day posting about the steps they're taking to change their practices to try and be more sustainable like what they're doing um pp i remember seeing a bp post on instagram about it was an infographic about the steps they're taking to towards being more sustainable and i mean it, it's creating the impression that they're doing that because it's it's a a time to be celebrated it's time to celebrate the earth and the kind of creating a a connection between sustainability and bp by them posting that when it's quite, actually quite the opposite so um moving on from this how has your own experience as a youth advocate um and someone working towards zero waste initiatives especially through social media shaped your own personal views on corporate accountability and greenwashing well personally i feel like i notice it a lot more in supermarkets or even areas that are heavily polluted like if i go to to a supermarket i'll notice all of the the green packaging and words like eco-friendly or 100% uh 
plant, 100% plants, 100% nature power, or you know, you've seen bold writing, all of these terms. It just makes you seem like, like I want to support them. I want to buy that. That's who I want to support. But you look at the packaging, and it's actually made of some components that are recyclable and some that aren't. Sometimes even all components that are not recyclable, and it's actually just the product that is made of plant material. So. I mean, it's it's sad actually. Also, in heavily polluted areas, I notice the the brands that are that are that are there more often. Like usually, it's Coca Cola. You see Coca Cola bottles everywhere, especially here in South Africa on our beaches. A lot of South Africa is is coastal, and we have some of the most beautiful beaches in the world. But if you go to the beach more often than not, you're going to see Coca Cola bottles. Yeah, and you know, actually, um, I went to Washington D.C. over the summer, and there was a sign that said, uh, "Like D.C. keeps our waters safe" or whatever. And we were walking over like a land bridge, like、uh, it was a mini bridge, and under there, the entire it was completely polluted. The entire ground beneath us, it was like the the waterways. It was completely polluted, and I thought that was very ironic.、Um, How that happened, but now we are getting to the end of this interview. Thank you for sharing your views on corporations, climate change,、um, corporate accountability, greenwashing. But before we go, I ask my guests、um, these two questions every time we go. What are three movies you would recommend to my audience, and why? So the first one I'm going to go for is definitely the story of plastic. I mean, anybody who's ever worked with paper from plastic would know why. That's always our go-to. It's such an amazing movie. It's a documentary, and it's actually won an Emmy. And、oh, it's just such a beautiful movie. If you really want to understand the the plastic crisis and what a, a massive issue it really is,、uh, another one. If you want to learn a bit about corporate accountability, this is kind of a Hollywood movie. It's called Dark Waters, starring Mark Ruffalo, and in this movie, he's a lawyer that tries to take up a corporation that's polluting a, a water source nearby. It's actually based on a true story as well. And another documentary is called、uh, In This Climate, and it's narrated by David Attenborough. And a few books that I recommend. I mean, anything by Naomi Klein is amazing. Like, there's a book called "This Changes Everything: Climate versus Capitalism," which is a great read, and another called "On Fire," which is just amazing. Yeah, and、um, I would also recommend.、Uh, I don't know if you've read this already. Have you read、um, "All We Can Save"? It's it's a and it's an anthology of essays and poetry, and、um, written by different activists around the world. World, and I think I think that's one everyone should read, no matter if you're interested in the climate change or not. But before we go, are there any last statements you would like to share? Feel free to share your social media, websites, anything. Yeah, so I would recommend、uh, people check out Gaia Global Alliance. For incinerating alternatives, so I think the website is noburn.org. There you can find all of the resources and toolkits you need if you wanna join the movement or try and make a holistic change.
in your way of living and try and advocate for a better and more sustainable systems also obviously the the breakthrough from plastic website where same you could find all of the resources that you need yeah we'll be linking um when we share this on instagram and our website will be sharing the website and the social media um that's all we have for today thank you for sharing your time with us kaylin thanks for listening everybody i hope you enjoyed it if you enjoyed this episode be sure to check out our instagrams um that's all for today and i hope that all of the listeners that are starting school soon at least here in new jersey we started late but have a great rest of the year as well uh, and another thank you to Taylor. thank you for having me another shout out to Taylor and ready thank you so much for coming on my um on on my podcast be sure to check out his socials as i mentioned in the introduction and be sure to follow icebreaker on instagram at icebreaker.podcast and check out our updated website icebreakerpodcast.card.co